You're listening to a Monkey Buns production. Hello, it's me, Alfie Evers. Uh, you may recognise me as the man who brings you the ultimate bacon sandwich in the morning if we've gone down that route. Hey, I now bring you Desert Island goals. Every episode, each guest shortlists their three favourite goals they would like to take with them, should they be cast away on a desert island. How crazy, eh? Uh, They choose only one, though. And uh, if this format does sound familiar, well, yes, it has been tried and tested before. I think even the BBC is starting to rip me off a little bit. (laughs) Anyway, don't forget, share in love and joy and share some love. Thanks. My guest on this episode is Nathan Taylor, a supper club entrepreneur, a beer tasting expert and regular guest of the best fantasy football podcast in the country, the Ultimate Fantasy Podcast. Now residing in London, Nathan has been a lifelong Portsmouth fan and had the benefit as a youngster of knowing me. Uh, Nathan, um, you embarked upon a fitness regime before lockdown. How's that going? It's going all right. I've been on a long run today. I'm up to 12 miles. For someone who'd never really ran until January, going all right. Yeah. Oh, so do you I'm fall a new in... man. I'm so... half the man I used to be. So, uh, do you fall into the category of the people that took up jogging as the lockdown came in? No, I. so I started... I fall into the category of New Year's resolutions that have actually <laughs> kept up, though. Um, all the gear, no I'm, idea. I'm really... Be glad that I did do it. It's like such luck because otherwise I, I reckon I'd be massive even now, like two weeks into lockdown. Have to be getting you, <laughs> getting you a crane. Come yeah, do exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Taking out the front window. <laughs> oh good. Yeah. Right, we're here to talk football. Uh, the good thing is because we're both Pompey fans. Uh, I'm going to try and be as objective as possible, but at the same time, mm. yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Right, so they'd be interesting. Uh, you've got a good collection of goals here for us to look at. Let's go to goal number one. Right, it's early February 2002. George Harrison's My Sweet Lord can be heard on the radio after it reaches number one on re-release. The UK's foot and mouth crisis has officially been declared over and a certain former Real Madrid and Barcelona midfielder is sprinkling magic over Fratton Park. Clinton Morrison, it's Prozanecki with the free kick! What a goal! What a strike! What celebrations! Robert Prozanecki puts Portsmouth back in front. Now, of course, we're talking about Robert Prozanecki. Uh, yeah. Uh, I couldn't get the correct audio for the commentary there. It's hard to come by. Yeah, it's really hard. Every clip seems to just have like loud music over the top of it. The really cheesy Euro trash, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're talking about Robert Prozanecki's second goal of his stunning hat-trick against Barnsley. Uh, and that is, of course, in the second tier of English football. I mean, yeah. what a special player, Nath. Yeah, it's... Um... It's weird to think even now that he played for us in that kind of team. So just like in terms of context, I think people obviously know that Pompey got into the Premier League and were there for kind of seven or eight years um, winning the FA Cup. But actually for the majority of our like lifetime of supporting them, they've <laughs> generally been a team that struggle against relegation yeah. and just kind of bobbed around in the second tier quite a lot for pretty much all of our youth until yeah. that um, season got promoted. And then suddenly we had um, a Yugoslav-American owner, Milan Mandaric, and he 
um, somehow managed to convince Robert Prozanecki to come and play for us. It's got to be blackmail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he is, without a doubt, my favourite ever um, Portsmouth player that I've seen. And I think the best player to ever wear a pumpy shirt that Easily. I've seen. Easily. Yeah, I think Lastiara was a great player, but it's slightly tainted for me because he was kind of in the Premier League team, kind of... Yeah, and I don't have as much fondness for that team as maybe what I should, really, even though we won the FA Cup. I kind of, mm. one of my later goals, I much I much more fondly remember that Portsmouth team, actually, than uh, the team that was in the Premier mm. League. But back to Prozanecki, I, rem- I remember when he signed for us, I think phones had just come in, like mobile phones had just come in. <laughs> I, think I text you saying, have you seen who we've signed? And I don't think either of us could believe it because we were aware. I don't think we'd kind of, I wasn't in particular aware of what he'd done or playing for Madrid and Barcelona. I knew he'd obviously been there, but hadn't followed. But I did know him from the 96 Euros, which actually wasn't really a part of that team. He was kind of left on the bench a lot. But the 98 World Cup, he was Mm. one of the star players, along with Svonimir Boban, obviously Davos Shuka, Asanovic, all these kind of um, players, Stimac. um, Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's quite the coup to get him there, especially playing in a team that had, let's be kind, um, some grafters (laughs) in there. (laughs) I I would suggest... They were a lot of a team of players who were footballers for the time being until they yeah. sort of rescinded back into the lower leagues. None of those players really, other than Peter Crouch, kind of went on and did better things after they left us as no, well. Definitely not. Like there's a couple of good prospects in there. We had Courtney Pitt. Um which became Portsmouth Rhyme in slang. Um who <laughs> was a, a a Neil Barrett, kind of left winger. Yeah, Neil Barrett, who was kind of hardworking number eight midfielder, um, and some other players. And obviously, Limvoy was there as well. Um, <laughs> um But yeah, we had Graham Ricks as a manager, and it did that season did not go well, despite having Brozanecki and despite Peter Crouch, one of the world's <laughs> best players. Basically, for for people who are listening to this who don't really know Robert Brozanecki. It's a bit like Luis Figo signing for your club who year after year, every time you've watched them year after year, especially as a kid for us, uh, mm. relegation battle every year. And then suddenly Luis Figo, a.k.a. Robert Prosnecki, signs for you. How would you describe his style of play for those who don't know? So he was kind of, um, he'd probably these days be kind of seen as being a bit of a, De Bruyne kind of player, like a kind of attacking number eight um, or a number 10, but he didn't really play number 10 for Croatia because they had Boban, who obviously was one of the best players in the world at the time as well, playing for AC Milan. Um, But yeah, he was a creative midfielder, didn't get through a lot of work and and legend has it, smoked about 40 a day as well. Incredibly skillful player. and Insanely skillful, I would say. He... um, I remember when he made his first um, home game for us, it was against Grimsby on a bank holiday Monday. Yeah, yeah. And I've never seen a player beat as many other players without moving. He just yeah. would kind of drop the shoulder or roll his foot over the ball and the whole of the Grimsby team would go in the other direction and he'd just like kind of stroll around. And, I've, and in that game, I think Kraut's got two and Mark Burchill got two and we won 
four one maybe. I think it was four two. Four two possibly. We conceded a lot of goals that season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was one hell of a player. I've never seen a player like him in a Pompey shirt. Um, and actually, even in the Premier League, I've not seen many players with it that level of skill. Obviously, playing against some quite limited opposition in those days. It's a fantastic free kick from Krozanecki. Clark was beaten over the wall, under the crossbar, inside the post, in the net. Portsmouth lead by two goals to one. Brilliant. But the goal, just getting back to that, is um, it's a four-all draw with Barnsley. Yeah. So, <laughs> and Prozanecki actually, this is the only hat trick he ever scored in his career. Um, so his first goal, is he it gets really? to. Yeah, yeah. It's oh. um, the only um, in his professional career. It's the only hat trick he ever scored. So he gets an early penalty after four minutes. I think Courtney Pitt is fouled for the uh, penalty, and then. Um, then Linvoy Primus gets a, a rare Portsmouth goal mm-hmm. at this point. Um, Barnsley pull it back to two all, and then um, the goal that I'm picking as one of my favourites of all time comes up. So Kevin Harper charges from kind of the centre circle. He was a bit of a fan's favourite who had some good songs about him. <laughs> but again, a fairly limited player, but actually always gave his all for Pompey and a player that I've got fond memories of. He charges through from the right-hand side and lays it off on the left hand, left wing to Prozanecki, who then just attacks the Barnsley team. Um, he cuts inside, he throws one dummy, and the defender goes with him, shifts again to his left, and the defender tries to track him, and then once more goes to his right. The de- by this point, the Barnsley defender's fallen over. Um, another <laughs> Barnsley player comes in to try and intercept, and he shifts it again onto his, his weaker left foot and just drills it across the goal into the bottom corner and goes absolutely wild in front of the uh, Fratton end. Um, he'd actually scored a very similar goal against Wolves at, um, yeah. earlier on that week. Mm. He scored that This game is a run of... He scored in three consecutive games leading up to this. Um, but yeah, the one against Wolves is actually probably a better goal, but I remember this with slightly more fondness. I was sat in the Milton end at the end because I at this season I wasn't a season ticket holder, so you just had to take what, what you were given. Um, but it's an absolute belter of a goal he then scores a blinding free kick into yeah, the top corner top quality, that. to put us 4-2 up um, and you think the game's over because Barnsley are a weak-ish side there and then inexplicably and to this day it's never been cleared up are you going to talk about the sending off yeah <laughs> so I still can't sent- work out what it is Linvoy Primus is then sent off for an apparent punch now this is, happens at the Milton end where I'm sat I didn't see anything. Linvoy Primus has always denied that he, he did it. No Barnsley player appeals at any point right. as well. And they look shocked when suddenly a penalty is given and Primus is sent off for an apparent punch. Now, anyone who's kind of followed Primus's career knows that he's a born-again Christian. Yeah, um, he's the nicest guy in football. one of the yeah. nicest people in football. Um, so I'm inclined to believe Primus when he says he didn't do it. Um, but that's the start of that game unravelling for us. Um, Barnsley scored the penalty and then Mike Sheeran, who was a good little goal scorer in he those was good days in that, in league. that, yeah, that yeah. level, um, gets a late equaliser. By all accounts, Prozanecki then storms out saying he scored a hat-trick for nothing, refuses to take the uh, match ball. 
and pretty much throws the rest of the team under the bus. <laughs> and kind of from that period onwards, his heart wasn't really in it as much No, anymore. no, that was That's a turning kind of, point, wasn't it? And for me, this is why I, I love that goal, because that was the real apex of kind of his performances. Shortly after this, Ricks gets sacked and Harry Redknapp is appointed manager. He was our director of football. And Prozanecki still plays, but is less influential. We've sold Crouch to Villa by this point. And we kind of just play out the end of the season before Prozanecki leaves us to move to Slovenia. And we replace him with Paul Merson. So um, didn't all go bad, but yeah. For just sheer watching a player that I never thought I'd see in a Pompey shirt, at the absolute kind of top of his game, um, running games week in, week out. I think that goal has a special place in my heart, especially as Pompey got at just a point out of it as well. <laughs> 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 Which kind of sums up what supporting Pompey was like in those years. Astonishing stuff. Right, okay, let's move on to your second goal then. Yeah. We're going back to 1992, the year with which UEFA awarded Euro 96 to be held in England, the year with which 22-year-old Alan Shearer becomes England's most expensive footballer with a 3.6 million transfer to Blackburn Rovers, and the year when a 20-year-old English winger called Darren Anderton makes his mark in the FA Cup semi-final. Warren Neal. Oh, that's a good-looking ball. It's Anderton. A real chance for Pompey. So that was, of course, Darren Anderton scoring in the FA Cup semi-final, Portsmouth against Liverpool. Uh, that was it. Was that an, it? Was an extra time, wasn't it? We it took was, the yeah, lead one yeah. nil. Uh, hmm. Special goal for you, Nate. Yeah, I think as a kid, I was like my dad is a huge football fan, but I wasn't really into it at all until literally this moment. Pretty much, um, it's my first proper Pompey memory because obviously we were in the lower leagues at this point i did actually go um i had been to see pompey before this i went the first game i ever went to was portsmouth versus newcastle when a young paul gascoigne was playing for oh, Newcastle. Wow. um but i have no real recollection of that at all whereas actually i do remember this um vividly really so we were all sat in the front room watching bbc it's the absolute <laughs> classic um match of live match of the day commentary team of John Motson and Trevor Brooking yeah. as well, which I think for anyone of kind of our age, um, without giving too much away, um, <laughs> is kind of the classic kind of pairing. Um, it was, a, it was top I, tier, wasn't it? It was top tier. Yeah, exactly. They were, they were the kind of, yeah, I guess the, what you say, the Martin Tyler and Gary Neville yeah. of the day kind of thing. Um, set Highbury. Um, so really kind of, old kind of fashion for proper football ground obviously the atmosphere got a bit of a, a pasting in the day but it's a proper football ground obviously open corners and the the, Im- the images if anyone's not yeah. seen it of the fans don't forget this is terracing as well yeah so it's like a cluster of people and mm. uh, the ticker tape do you remember ticker tape yeah i remember um yeah obviously making ticker tape which was a case of just cutting up the local newspapers like the the night before going to the game yeah um and then you just throw up in the air obviously and it all lands on you but yeah that got banned not long fire fire hazard absolute massive fire hazard especially because back in those days you could still smoke in the grounds um i remember my first year as a pompey season ticket holder in the family section the guy next to us used to smoke cigar chain smoke cigars <laughs> <laughs> in the family section i love it's it real, like, yeah. are in the 
this at home in the front room um all the family um i've watched this back recently and pompey actually battered liverpool yeah we did graeme soonest was um, manager then wasn't he? yeah graeme soonest was a manager and they picked a pretty much a full strength team i think jan Morby's the only real player from that era that didn't seem to play in that game but you've got the likes of john barnes you've got a young steve mcmanaman in there obviously ian rush um you've got mark wright steve nickel all of these kind of legends of kind of Liverpool um of that kind of and this is kind of towards the end of Liverpool's dominance as well so I think they'd won the FA Cup something like four times out of the last seven or eight seasons and were regularly in the semi-finals we hadn't been in the semi-finals for 40 odd years so um yeah. real kind of David Goliath kind of game and then the other semi-final is a weird year for the FA Cup because the other semi-final was Sunderland versus Norwich yeah as well Sunderland one through in that one and obviously um ended up spoiler alert ended up playing liverpool in the final <laughs> um but we dropped guy whittingham who was like our top scorer for this game and colin clark plays mm. up front on his own but actually again watching the extended highlights of that back had a really good game for us along with a lot of other players as well colin clark ended up with a couple of goal, um shots cleared off the line in the end um alan mclaughlin misses a really good opportunity and also has another one cleared off the line and martin cool who i know you are a particular big fan, kind of fan of um has a, misses quite a good chance as well early on but um we managed to take them to extra time um and these days obviously semi-finals go to extra time and then a replay but we get a goal after about 110 minutes so it's warren nil another pompey player that i remember absolutely really fondly. that guy yeah, yeah. Yeah, he kind of clips the ball over the top of the Liverpool defence. And Anderson, who at this point is kind of, it's his breakthrough season. He just replaced Steve Wigley in the team for us. And um, mm. he kind of, uh, he'd had already had a great game and was given their left back an absolute torrid time anyway. But he races onto it. He's clear one on one with Bruce Grobelar. And then, according to Anderson in the interview that I've seen recently, when he's remembering it, he says that Steve Wigley's. Um, gave him some advice before the game is that Grobola will always try and read which way you're going so give him the eyes um, but I think Anson's maybe given himself a little much too little too much credit there because the ball bobbles and it's not the cleanest of strikes but he it just, just hits it on target right. past yeah. and then the images like he was saying of the fans in the terraces going mental I think that kind of image and Anderton's kind of wild celebration kind of will live with me forever and i think from that it's not an exaggeration to say from that moment like pompey was actually in my blood but from um from there they get a late equalizer john barnes hits a great free kick like yeah. a two-step kind of dipping free kick that hits the inside of the post and ronnie whelan who actually probably could have been sent off in that game he put in should a pretty, have been a couple off. of pretty hard challenges one on mark chamberlain was would have been a definite red card if it was um played in today's yeah, Mark Chamberlain, game. Alex Oxley, Chamberlain's dad for anyone that didn't know that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah the ball so fell the, to, um, what's his name? What did you say? Ronnie Whelan. Yeah. So the ball falls to Ronnie Whelan, who shouldn't be on the pitch. And the the way the ball hit, hits the post and it comes out, it could, mm. 
it could have fallen to any number of players that all would have been Pompey players, but it fell to the one player yeah. that wasn't, and that was RW. Yeah, yeah, but it's a, that's a really kind of classic Pompey team that I remember with a lot of affection. Like you've got Kit Simons and Andy Orford playing centre backs, both Youth Academy products. I think Orford at the time is nineteen, and Simons is only maybe twenty-one. Yeah, as well. You've got John Beresford at left back, who actually had a pretty tough game against McManaman in that game. Um, you've got obviously Warren Neal, we've spoken about Warren Aspinall, Mark Chamberlain, who was a, a particular favourite of mine as yeah, well. Good player, yeah. Yeah, but they get the equaliser. And then we go to um, Villa Park um, about a week later, and unfortunately we slip out on penalties. Um, but yeah, that game is the reason that I'm a Pompey fan, but also it's the reason why... I'm a bit of a Spurs head as well because Anderson leaves us at the end of the season and signs for Spurs in a kind of cash plus Paul Walsh deal. Mm. And I had a particular affection for obviously fan and from that is kind of the reason why I'm so into football. Um, so I always kind of followed what he was doing at Spurs and then obviously had a bit of um, a passion for Spurs growing up as well. Um, and Paul Walsh obviously came in the other direction as one of my favourite ever Pompey players as well which yeah. um he was a key part of the team the next season which just missed out on promotion to the to a very nascent premier league at that point and i think if we had got up we missed out on goals scored to west ham and then lost in the playoffs i think if we had gone up that season then the course of maybe pompey's history could have been quite a lot different mm, we as well because we'd, we'd have been in the premier league at the outset yeah. whereas um well, the yeah. interesting thing about that season uh, was the fact there mm. was only one automatic um, promotion place, wasn't there? Because they were making the Premier League smaller to 20 teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to 22 missed... teams, yeah. Yeah, so from 24 down to 22. And yeah, we miss out on yeah on goals scored. We had a bit of a nightmare away game at Sunderland where Paul yeah. Walsh got himself sent off, didn't yeah. he? Um, yeah, having been our player of the season. But um, yeah, that going back to that Liverpool game, though, I think... Any Pompey f- fan of a certain age will remember that game. I think I I remember the details of that game more than what I remember the FA Cup semi-final that we won against Spurs or the one that we won against um, West Brom mm. as well. And actually, I probably remember that game more fondly than the FA Cup win because we played Cardiff in that game. It was a very poor game. And also, it was one that we were expected to win because Cardiff um, were actually playing in the championship at that level as well. Um, whilst it is a highlight of my Pompey supporting career, us winning the FA Cup, it's, I still kind of have slightly fonder memories of other kind of seasons. I don't know why. Fonder memories, including the special mm. shorts they released for the FA Cup. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, because we had an all blue kit. Um, yeah, they yeah. released, it was the same, we had an influence kit and it was the same yeah. pattern. As, and those back yeah. in those days, I mean, merchandise back mm. then wasn't something you can get hold of, was it? Um, yeah. uh, do you know what the song was uh, number one song at the time of that game by the way 5th of April 1992 92 um, no you won't know but no. I'll tell you what right said Fred's deeply dippy had just mm. been knocked off the top spot by Please Don't Go by KWS ah nice Please yeah. Don't Go that's a, that's a classic yeah, yeah. That's a classic song yeah <laughs> anyway right that is good memories classic memories mm. but we are going to move on to goal number three now Owen getting in the cross. Anderson! 
So that was Darren Anderton again. You might have heard of him. Uh, <laughs> back in uh, World Cup 98, shaggy sick note, uh, as he's also mm-hmm. known, banging in a goal against Colombia, Nath. Yeah. So the reason I've picked this is partly because of obviously the affection that I do have for Darren Anderson as being kind of the player that pretty much kick-started my love affair of football in general and Pompey and Spurs to some extent as well. And um, Anderton actually had a pretty decent England career. He was always a reliable player for England. He got some good goals for us, um, scored against Denmark early on in Terry Venables. Reign had a very good Euro 96 for us playing as a wing back in that tournament as well with McManaman mm. on the other side. I mean, what a pair of wing backs that was. <laughs> Definitely emphasis on the wing. But um, yeah. And then also he got a great goal against um, Sweden, which would nearly made this in um, the Umbro Cup, which was kind of the trial run for Euro 96 that happened in 95. Yeah. Um, so we draw that game free all not many of my goals actually come in wins um i found but um <laughs> this is what happens when you follow pompey england and spurs i guess <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. Um, but yeah in that one it's one of those classics where he he cracks it on the uh on the volley from a i think it's a shearer knockdown it's a left foot volley isn't it yeah. yeah and it hits both posts which is always kind of a beautiful kind of way to to score kind of rattles both posts and the and the goalkeepers kind of react you see his like head going in both directions trying to follow the ball but knowing <laughs> he's never going to get anywhere near it but the actual goal is this goal against Colombia and um it was a big game this was because actually England went into this tournament tipped to do pretty well I mean Glenn Hoddle was the manager and he guided us for a pretty tough um qualifying group and we went away to Italy and got a draw um, Paul Ince being particularly immense in that game mm. um, and yeah kind of and then leading up to the tournament there's a lot of controversy obviously with um, Gaza being dropped despite obviously being a bit of a talisman for England but I think looking back now it's pretty obvious that um, he was past his prime at this point as well um, but the other controversial selection decision aside from Gaza being dropped was that Anderton was in the team despite the fact that he hardly played in the season because as you <laughs> referred to earlier he was kind of was getting a reputation at this point for being a bit of a sick mm. note as well um every every, every seems, sorry yeah. every big championship it always yeah seemed to never play during the season and then just come into the england team yeah so i think there's a lot of criticism of him being selected and especially because in the first couple of games he plays instead of David Beckham who just really had his breakout season had kind of got into the England side and was seen as being alongside Owen a kind of the big hope for the team and obviously he would go on and have a fantastic England career himself but Anderson was kind of the one that was getting quite a lot of flack especially after we maybe didn't perform at our best in the first couple of games I think we get a um, win against Tunisia in the first game mm-hmm. and then uh, there's the Romania game after that um, so we had to go and beat Colombia in order to get through as well and there's a lot riding on that because Colombia were a decent side at this point as well so Anderson's getting quite a lot of stick um, for being in the team but Glenn Hoddle changes the tactics and plays Beckham slightly inside of Anderton and Anderton kind of um, retains his, spe- um, his place down by Shearer Anderton yes wonderful goal by Darren Anderton long ball knock forward 
knocked down and then Anderson absolutely crushes a right foot volley into the top corner past the keeper who I think is probably Mondragon I've not looked back at who was in goal but I think it's probably Farad Mondragon um and it absolutely creams it in to put us one nil up Such and again strike, goes wild. It? Yeah, exactly. And that goal, another reason why I picked it is it's one of those goals that's kind of forgotten because people remember Beckham then getting the free kick to seal the game and it mm. being 2 0. But actually, Anderson gets the crucial opener quite early on as well, which really settles the nerves because, um, yeah, it looked at one point that that tournament was unraveling slightly for us. And if he hadn't done that and putting that performance on with Beckham, in that game, then we'd never have had that Michael Owen goal as well. And those kind of fond memories of that World Cup, despite the fact that actually we only get to the quarterfinals and we get knocked out on penalties in the quarterfinals. I think a lot, again, kind of football fans of our age kind of remember that tournament pretty fondly as being a side that we liked and could have gone a lot further and also had enough potential in there to give you hope for the next kind of period until obviously Kevin Keegan then comes in (laughs) (laughs) and destroys all hope for about two years that was they were dark days that's for sure really dark days exactly yeah dark dark days yeah Um, lovely strike lovely strike and a lovely red kit as well we're wearing it was a lovely red kit and um yeah I heard Glenn Hoddle say in regards to Addison versus Beckham that he I think he preferred Anderton as a passer and a tackler Mm. And uh, and also about Anderton, he was he could always rise to the big occasions. He was never phased, yeah. was he? Never phased. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. Again, I'm slightly biased, but I think he was a very good England player. Um, one of these players that similar to you know you uh, people like Darius Vassell and yeah. to some extent Emil Heskey as well, who actually in the in the league weren't particularly well respected players, but actually when they played for England turned up and put in yeah. solid performances, never let their country down, and I think actually had better records. And Peter Croucher put in that kind of um, pile as well. Goal-scoring record's phenomenal for England. Yeah, that stepped up when it came to playing for England. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Right, that's mm. all your goals then, mate. You that is my goals, expressed. yeah. But as, as you may well know, uh, before I send you to this desert island... Uh, apparently the weather's quite good there at the moment good um you have to choose only one goal you can only take one goal with you to watch and repeat as much as you like which goal is it going to be it's going to be the anderson goal against liverpool um it's what kicked off my kind of yeah obsession with football and yeah i think everything else flows from from that day and also it's the commentary as well it's the motson commentary it's it encapsulates everything that's good about football in that one move, yeah, I think. yeah, exactly. It's kind of underdog um, team. It's yeah, Motson on commentary, which whilst maybe late in his career, maybe lost it a little bit, but at the, the po- that point is kind of the quintessential, along with more, obviously, um, is the quintessential kind of football commentator of our youth. Yeah, for sure. All yeah. right, okay. So Darren Anderton's goal against Liverpool is uh, you already get a mighty doubt of football in the complete works of Harry Redknapp's autobiography, which I'm sure you read already. Uh, yeah. But you also get to choose one classic football shirt of any era as your luxury item. Which shirt is it going to be? It's the Croatia shirt from '98, in particular the home one. I actually own and I'm currently wearing the '96 Croatia shirt, but um, the '98 one I had. A, Weird fondness for Croatia as well, because even prior to Prozanecki, 
because the story of kind of that country being a newly formed country in in the 96 euros and then doing quite well but not really hitting their achieve their kind of their peak and then in 98 they get to the semi-final and they've got a great team at this point obviously they've got um as already mentioned they've got boban they've got uh, alan boxich who's was a favorite of mine davos suka aliasi sanovic they've got um obviously prozanecki in there as well and um they get all the way to semi-final but the thing i love about this kit and kind of about all croatia shirts is for that it's the flag that's on the kind of shirt as mm. well and i i just really like and especially at that time where they were a new country that have kind of gone through a struggle obviously the breakdown of the balkans is something that i remember quite vividly it's kind of the first war um that kind of really i can remember well um and having kind of global kind of ramifications um but just the kind of national pride and identity and the way that 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 team play like played for their country in a non-jingoistic kind of way but were so proud to like be representing this country that just formed um and so yeah i I really like that Croatia shirt from that time and it's happy memories of like some great players in there as well and mm. I, I just really like that kind of that's for me is what the world cup is about it's like teams representing kind of smaller countries and being really proud to be there at kind of again at the apex of what football is mm. so does that mean uh you're on your desert island alone are you going fkw for kit i'm i'm not i'm probably just gonna get a pair of uh shorts and work on uh work on my tan and uh, <laughs> i'm not gonna have football football socks up otherwise if i ever get off this island then i'm gonna have a weird tan line there's a very good point no one's <laughs> addressed that yet <laughs> well yeah, plus all flip-flops as well so fair enough well yeah. good luck on the desert island nathan it's been an absolute pleasure having you along thank you for sharing all your goal memories with us um, no worries enjoy the desert island thanks mate